Hey, this is Christine Pittman from Cook the Story, and you're listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Food bloggers, I want to take a really quick second here to talk to you about something new that we're starting this summer. I'm super excited about it. I am loving this new movement of food bloggers who are digging into podcasting as a way to add an awesome, unique new layer to their business. I feel so passionately about this topic. Audio is so powerful and food bloggers digging into audio in the form of podcasting is going to be a huge, successful movement. It will be a way to expand your brand into new areas that you cannot even imagine. There is an entire episode dedicated to this. So go listen to episode number 306 if you haven't already. And I promise you're going to be inspired to dig into audio yourself. As a way to support this movement, I am creating a group coaching experience starting in June of 2022. If you are interested in joining us, there are a limited number of spots available just because I want to give you all my dedicated attention. Send me an email at megan at eatblogtalk.com if you're interested. I am including an introductory rate. It's a monthly rate. If you want in, you will be locked in at that rate. Send me an email. Tell me you're interested in the group coaching for podcasters. And I can't wait to see you inside and I can't wait to see how this just totally explodes your business. Food bloggers, hello. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk. This is the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 310. Today, I have Christine Pittman with me, and she is going to talk all about strategies for starting a successful cooking podcast. I love this topic so much. Christine is the founder of Cook the Story, where her passion is to create recipes that take less time in the kitchen, giving you more time at the table. She founded Cook the Story in 2010 and her other contributor-based site, The Cookful, in 2015. Christine has used her SEO strategies and cooking knowledge to get these sites in front of over 2 million readers per month. More recently, she has embraced her love of audio and is the host of two podcasts, one of which... Recipe of the Day has been named one of the top 10 cooking podcasts out there by Pop Sugar. Hi, Christine. Thank you so much for joining me again today on eBlog Talk. It's so great to be here, Megan. Thank you. Yes, our second chat. And today we're talking about a topic that is so near and dear to my heart. I love talking about this, especially recently. As you know, I talked about audio and food bloggers digging into audio at Tastemaker Conference. Uh, because you so generously allowed me to share your story with podcasting and being a food blogger. So thank you for that. And I'm just excited to talk about this so that food bloggers have it on their radar if it sounds intriguing to make a case for getting into it. And I know you have that same passion that I do. So this is going to be a great conversation. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love podcasting so much. It's been it's just become my biggest passion, actually, in the last year, year and a half. Yeah, same. I just, it's so much fun and there's so much power in audio and we'll get into this, but I guess just to start, why do you feel like a food blogger who's listening might want to consider podcasting as a new venture? 
So if it is a food blogger who's listening, then they already are probably somebody who listens to podcasts. And that means they understand the value in them. The To me, the passive learning aspect of it, that you can be out for your daily walk or running errands, doing laundry, cooking, that you can be doing any of those things while listening and could be learning something, which is what people do when they listen to your podcast. Or, and this is actually, I'm, gonna, I'm taking this from Roger Anderson from the Kitchen Counter podcast because he put it so well. It like... It, it value adds to your time. So, you know, time is this commodity that we we can never make more of, no matter how much money you have, no matter anything, you cannot have more time, but you can add things to your time that sort of maximize it. So if you are, like I said, doing those chores, doing anything, driving, and then you can have some entertainment or something fun going on in your audio space while your eyes are busy, your hands are busy, then you're actually like adding extra wonderfulness to that time that we can't get more of. So anybody who already is listening already kind of knows that. And so then they know that there are other people like them out there who also really value all these benefits. And we want to reach those people and give them more like food or whatever their topic is, content that they can get in this sort of more passive way. I always say like, if you're reading a blog, you can't multitask. You can't drive your car and read a blog. You can't watch YouTube videos and drive your car or clean. But with audio, you can do absolutely anything, literally anything, and continue listening and be entertained and be inspired and all of the things that podcasts do. So I think it's such a unique medium just for that reason. Like It doesn't detract from anything. It allows you to just live your life and also be educated. So it's so amazing in that way. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I, I listen to podcasts. I've got, I don't even know how many. There's so many that I listen to and it's continuous. I have to actually sometimes tell myself like, maybe you need some quiet time in your head to keep your headphones <laughs> off and just relax in the shower today. Well, not headphones. I have like a speaker in my shower, but just relax yeah. in the shower today. You do not need to, because I do. I am the same. I do that same thing. I listen to podcasts constantly. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I should pause on the podcasts once in a while and just give myself some quiet. But it's always, I mean, there's so much out there to listen to and learn from. So I always feel like if I can, I want to be learning and growing and being, you know, continue to be inspired. So it is, it is so enjoyable for me. And I know, like, I love that you said, if you're listening now, you probably already know the power of podcasts because you're listening to a podcast. So yeah, that was a really good point. And I know one of the huge barriers of entry can be the cost of it or the tech side or, you know, the equipment. So talk to us about that because that can seem daunting. Just kind of break that down for us. What is the cost? What is the uh, requirements for knowing tech and having equipment and all, and all of that. Yeah, so I I will I will just be honest with you and say that I originally set up my first podcast. I had a good friend who is a audio producer for like radio and stuff, and he set up a mixer and a compressor for me. I don't I have I take pictures of it to make sure that like if my cats come in and move any dials that I could put it back. Like, <laughs> that's that, awesome. That's like my knowledge there, but. I have helped several people with this since like, I can't give you my, I can tell you what I have. Um, like I, I would, you can put it in your show notes, but like, I don't know how to do that part, but I do know that nowadays, like you can get a, you know, maybe $70 microphone with a little like filter thing over it. And then free, like I record using audacity, which is a free audio program. And then I put my files up. Well, I actually 
I have two podcasts. One I have professionally edited and produced. The other one I do myself. So when I'm doing the one myself, Audacity is free. And then I use a program called Ophonic, A-U-P-H-O-N-I-C, which is very inexpensive. And it charges you per like minute of use. And I think you get nine hours free at the, every month or something. And then if you need more than that, you pay. And I upload the file to there. It takes just a short time and it kind of filters it. It sound equalizes it. It removes uh, like um, like any like kind of continuous noise. It just does a whole bunch of stuff. So like a lot of the production recording stuff is very free. You really just need a reasonable microphone. I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, really, you do just need a microphone. And you mentioned having a mixer. I don't have a mixer and mine... My setup works just fine. So if that is something that is a stumbling block, then you can take that away because um, I literally have this amazing microphone that costs less than $100. I plug it into the USB thing, what is, <laughs> USB um, portion of my computer. And as you mentioned, audio editing is either free or affordable. If you have Creative Cloud, if you're on Adobe Creative Cloud, you probably already have access to Adobe Audition, which is, I think it's very similar to Audacity. It's great. I mean, if you are a food blogger, you've probably dabbled in video editing. And if you've done that, audio editing is a piece of cake. You will be like, oh my gosh, this is so easy. And um, so you mentioned having one of your shows produced. Do you, what is the cost? Would you mind sharing the cost of that and like what is entailed? Because I've always done my, well, I did outsource a little bit, but it was just like one gal who was doing it. But for the most part, I've always edited my own audio. So can you talk through how easy or difficult that is? Oh, I will say the experience has been wonderful. And so the recommendation came from my publicist, Brittany Lynn, who is wonderful. And whenever she recommends anybody to me, it is it works out beautifully. And so the producer is um, Caroline from Wild Home Podcasting. And she charges, okay, it just it, it's gone up and I've been grandfathered in, but it's under $500 a month. And you get one episode a week for that. So it's one of those things like, you know, not every week has the same, every month doesn't have the same number of weeks. If there's five weeks in the month, you get five. If there's four weeks in the month, you get four. So it's just, it's the same cost. It's like 470, I think. She also has a separate package that is for um, like launching and she helps you get everything set up, which I think is one of the stumbling blocks I first faced because I wasn't with her originally figuring out like which which platform to use for my podcast RSS feed and uploading the episodes and then how to get them onto Apple and Spotify and everything from there. She does all of that for also a very reasonable cost separate. So you can just have that and she helps you with the idea and the um, like making sure you have your like square logo. And she also, I think for, so I pay for 40 a month because I have the other cost, but that includes um, an audiogram to go with each episode. So she takes my logo and we put a headshot of the guest in there and then she has this little movement and she grabs a really good clip of them speaking so that we could share that. So that is part of it as well. But yeah, it's been seamless. I just, she comes to Basecamp, which is where I do all of my work and grabs the episode every week. And the turnaround is super quick, like a day, two days maybe. And then I listen and there's never any problems, but if there are, She's like, she just does it. And it, it's been really seamless and lovely. And I don't think, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't think it's that expensive when I think about, so the other podcast recipe of the day, I edit myself 
and that's because it's every day. And the idea of trying to um, coordinate that like file back and forth and everything, it was just too daunting for me to think about. So I just do it. Um, but it, yeah. So just knowing like what is involved and how much time it takes me to do those ones, the cost $500 for like the whole month seems very reasonable to me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That sounds like a dream. I do my editing so fast and I always justify it like, well, I can get it done so quickly and I do it right away after. So, but it's one of those things where like, if I don't have time to do it, then they build up and I publish two episodes a week. So it's, they can build up really quickly. Uh, so yeah, that is something on my list that I need to start outsourcing and I'm just kind of dragging my feet, but you just encourage me like there are people out there that can help and it's not going to kill me financially yeah and it's going to be take a lot off my plate I think yeah and yeah if you want we can talk about the editing process too like when you do do it yourself is that if you want to go there soon because I feel like I suddenly have a lot I want to say about that too yeah go for it yep so in terms I'm actually I want to ask you because I'm curious in terms of doing the editing yourself like I'm always so yeah I have these like short they're like five minute a day podcasts I of course batch them I don't record every morning at 5 a.m or anything like that I'm I'm doing like you know I don't know I do sort of like 20 at a time kind of thing but um and then when I'm actually looking at the file and editing I always know like it's pretty good like the sound quality is good because my, 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 my microphone's good um I can almost just leave it alone, but I go in and I remove like sl- longer pauses or if I have like weird, like nose breathing noises, like <laughs> something in there, <laughs> I take those out. But like, I always, I'm like, you know what? You don't have to be doing this. Like really, this is pretty okay. Which means that even the time that I am spending to do that myself, and I'm, I'm guessing that you sort of are on the, that side of that, I probably don't need to be. So there's probably way less of that even involved when you're doing it yourself, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, When I first started podcasting, I think probably my first 50 episodes or so, I did that same thing. I went in and this is kind of embarrassing, Christine, but I would actually edit out the breaths. And then when you listen back, it's like so unnatural. And I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, I don't want people to know I'm breathing. Or <laughs> So I stopped doing that. And then for a while, too, I was going in and like editing out my ums and my likes because I have all of those things that I say and then I was doing it for my guests and then it was just way too time consuming because my episodes are anywhere from 35 to 60 minutes. That's crazy. I mean, it was taking me hours and hours of time to edit. So I stopped. And so now what I do is I just, I let it flow totally naturally. I don't edit unless I really mess up my words or if my guest says, oh, can I restart? Then I'll say, absolutely. I'll make a note on um, audition. So there's like one key I can press that kind of notes as we're recording where that mess up is. So then at the, in an ideal world, at the end of the day, I'll just go back and I'll just like find those posts, those places where I need to edit. I'll edit them out quick. And then it's such a piece of cake because I just... We just had the conversation, so I know how it went. I know if, like, you know, the sound was off or if there were long pauses. So that's kind of my idea, like, doing it with a fresh mind so that, like, I don't need to listen. So let's say our conversation today is 35 minutes. I don't need to go back and listen to all 35 minutes because we just had the conversation. I know how it went. I can just go to those few spots. So it really takes me, like, between 10 and 20 minutes, depending on the conversation, to edit an entire episode, which 
I feel like is so slick. And that's why I'm having a hard time outsourcing because I'm like, but it's going so well. I'm doing it really quickly. So why? But then, you know, it's that whole thing. <laughs> you know what though, Megan? I think, so here's the thing. Like, like I send the file to Caroline and then she sends it back. I listen to it. Right. So if you're if you're at a place where you don't need to even listen, you're spending less time than I am. Right. Because if my episodes are like 30 minutes long and she sends it back to me and then I listen to the 30 minutes. And right. Like, OK. I mean, I do obviously in that passive listening way. I'm usually doing it like at the end of the day while I'm making dinner or something. But mm-hmm. still, like um, you, you might actually have a more efficient system already. Yeah. See, that's what I figure, because when I was doing sending my editing out for a short period, that's exactly what happened. I was sending it to the scale and I would have to like upload my notes and upload the audio and then kind of explain what I wanted changed. And then she'd send it back. I'd listen. I'd make some changes maybe or not. But yeah, it was taking an hour to listen and then make the changes and send it. It was like, oh my gosh, I can just do this all myself. So I don't know. I've Yeah, that's exactly why I've held on to it and maybe it's fine yeah I, don't know. I think maybe the difference like I have I have different segments in my show with like music in between and stuff like that and I, I feel like that's the thing that takes me time and stress so I just have I have like three separate files sort of the introduction and then the interview and then the meal plan that I do at the end and then the music files and so I just sort of wrap that all up but I bet you use like a template or something for that right yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty slick. I mean, I do so many episodes that it, it really does go so fast considering and people are always like, how do you squeeze it all in? I'm like, well, I honestly, I batch like crazy. I try to do all my interviews on Tuesdays and just load them up. And then I do my editing that same day and I create social media and then scheduling. I usually do on a day, a separate day. And then I'm like done for a month. So it's really not a huge time investment for me. Um, so yeah, I guess that's another piece of it too, because that can seem daunting. Like I don't have time to do a podcast. Well, it's really not that time consuming if you think through it. And you mentioned batching. I love that you batch. And I actually predicted this. Somebody at Tastemaker was asking me about your format and like the five minute format. I love that you do five minute Mm -hmm. bits. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, I think, I don't know this for sure. I haven't talked to her, but I'm pretty sure she probably batches. So can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, I mean, it's still pretty time consuming. And I will say like anybody getting into this, like I'm planning, we're going to Canada to see my family in like a month. And so I am now trying and we're gone for three weeks. So I am trying now to get a month ahead, plus three weeks ahead, plus a week ahead so that I can go. <laughs> so there's that, that always to consider, but it's not that bad. What I do, so my, it's recipe of the day. So I choose a recipe to go with each day based on the day of the week. If there's any holidays or special things going on so that whatever I'm talking about is very timely. So I sit down with a calendar, sort of a quarterly calendar. So three months, I get all the food holidays, all the national holidays, all the stuff. And I just start filling in what I'm doing. I of course do repurpose episodes because I have, you know, 200 or something at this point. So I can grab something from the early days and just tweak it a little bit. So I'm kind of fitting those in, but I'm doing this like content calendar, right? So like a three month content calendar. And then I just usually like on the weekend when my kids aren't here, that's like a very productive, creative time for me and chill. I make my coffee in the morning and I go and I just record until I'm tired of recording. And then I edit a bunch of them and then move on to recording some more. And I get through in a weekend like that, probably 20 or 30 of them. So I guess that means like 
15 in a day. So that, yeah, that, that makes about, that sounds about right. And that's so efficient, I feel like, because if you spread that out throughout the week, you would have to break that flow and you'd have to get in and out of it. Just doing things in a chunk is so smart and so efficient. And I, I'm glad that I predicted right that you did that. I was like, I bet you a million dollars she batches her content. Yeah, no, I totally do. And I, I feel this like twinge sometimes where I think probably to listeners, it seems like I am getting up every morning because I'm like, hey, it's Friday, <laughs> you made it. Right. And I say that kind of thing, but I'm like, ah, nobody cares. Everybody knows yeah. they're, they're happy that I'm welcoming, welcoming them to their Friday and nobody's worrying about this or thinking about it except for me, you know? Oh, goodness. No, no, they're probably happy that you're being efficient. And yeah, you have time for your family and other things. I want to hear more about your podcast and how you chose the topic. And um, you kind of mentioned the format, like your five minute little bits that support your food blog content. But can you talk through like how you came up with the topic and all of that? Oh, so recipe of the day. I guess, so there is this podcast, I can't remember what it's even called, but I was listening for a while and I liked it. It's kind of about like markets and um, like what's going on with stocks and stuff, but I just like their energy and it was every day. And um, I stopped listening to it for some reason, so I feel a little silly right now, but whatever. I was listening to it back when I had the idea for this and I liked that it was part of my morning routine, that I woke up and like I listened to the NPR news hour thing. It's like a five minute thing every hour they have. I listened to that. I would listen to them. And it kind of just became, it like makes me wake up. It made me happy. They were so cheerful. And I was like, oh, I wonder if there's anything for food like this, like a recipe of the day thing. And I looked and there was a podcast called like recipe for the day from like five years ago that had 10 episodes. And I was like, hmm, yeah, it was probably pretty hard to do it every day. They stopped after 10. <laughs> <laughs> 10 days, then, they were like, done. I sort of stepped back and I was like, could I do this? What's involved? And so I recorded, I think I recorded like 10 of them and edited them myself. Like I just sort of like, okay, if I'm going to do this, what's involved, how do I do it? And realized really quickly that not only is it doable, but it's so fun. Like I end up like, cause I'm, you know, I'm talking like we are right now. I have a smile on my face when I'm like recording and it adds all this like happy adrenaline. And also I get to, I don't know, not all food bloggers do this, but like my, my, my blog posts tend to have a lot of tips and like tricks. Why is this the best way to do this? Like that kind of thing in them. I guess a lot of people have that. And so I read through the blog post and sometimes I'm quite pleased with myself, right? Like <laughs> that was really hard. <laughs> like I said 10 years ago. Wow. So, but, but like read through and then pick out the like important things and I get to say them and I think that it's it's clearer and there's more passion involved and I can explain it in this very natural way that just resonates with me more. So the idea came and then I tried a few and realized that it was such a great way to explain why I cook the way I cook, why I do the things I do. So it became like a conduit, not just for the recipe, but for like teaching cooking while doing it. And then I was hooked after I did those few as a test. I was like, hey, we're doing this. We're launching. Let's go. Hey, let's take a quick minute to chat about Rank IQ, a powerful keyword research tool that every food blogger should be using, in my opinion. It contains a customized library of keywords that actually apply to specific food blogging niches. Some of the niches include holidays, meal prep, Mexican, paleo, pancakes, sandwiches, tea, tofu, wine pairings, and so many more. Select a niche within the keyword library and 
browse through a manageable database of keywords that are all low competition and high search volume. I love this breakdown of niches and the manageable set of keywords within each category. Here are a few of my other favorite things about Rank IQ. It saves me a ton of time writing blog posts. I can get a new post kicked out in two hours or less. I also know exactly how fast something will rank based on the competition score and the time to rank score. And last but not least, I'm no longer guessing about how successful a keyword will be before spending hours writing about it and posting it. Go to rankiq.com to sign up and check it out for yourself. See how awesome it is. And I hope you love it. Now let's get back to the episode. So it's like double passion. You get to revisit your content that you created and were passionate about, and then you get to deliver it in the form of audio, which you're all so passionate about, which is so cool. It's like, I love to use the words happy adrenaline. I think that so perfectly explains it. And you can tell just over audio, you don't even have to see anyone's face. You can tell when they're so excited about something through their voice, right? Like you can tell if they're smiling or excited as opposed to like, yeah, I'm talking about my beef um, patties. Like (laughs) that is not exciting. But if you're really excited about your beef patties, you can hear it in someone's voice, which I love that part of audio. Yeah, no, exactly. And I guess that's the interesting thing too is I, so now I I have the other podcast that I've been doing for, oh gosh, a very long time now. Uh, I guess a year and a half, almost two years. And this one. And I've also just learned that it's taught me how to express myself better. So there's things like what you're saying, like I didn't realize that I could hear smiles or what yes. my smile sounds like, right? And like now I re-listen to my stuff all the time, like, oh yeah. And I would do this thing where I introduce myself, like, hey, I'm Christine. This is and I'm like, wait a minute, you need to stop that. <laughs> but like, yes, you're bored of your name, but other people are not bored of <laughs> So like, but that it's taught me like when I have to walk up to, you know, someone important or like whatever, or if I'm talking, if I'm trying to get somebody to agree to do an interview on my show or something, I just know how to speak so much better. And I I think I become a better listener too, because for the interviews, right. You're like, Oh, that's so true. Yeah. You can't be thinking about like, what can I say about myself next? You have to be like, what is the question that my listeners are going to want me to ask to this? Like why, what is interesting here for other people? Not just me. (laughs) Yeah. That, yeah. That's such a great point. It's, it's such a cool byproduct of doing interview style podcasts because, um, I started noticing that too. When I started my podcast, I wasn't as good of a listener. And I'm not just talking in my interviews, but to my family and friends and people who I meet. And now I feel like I'm so much sharper when I'm listening to somebody and I can reply. I I listen to every detail that people say now. And I realize now that before, like pre-podcasting, I wasn't doing that. I was kind of a crappy listener. So it that is a really cool byproduct. It will help you not just with your interviewing skills, but it helps you be a better human, like a just a more in tune and um, yeah, like you said, just a better listener and a better friend and a better mom and wife or husband or whatever. Like it just helps you to tune in a little bit, I guess. That's something I've, I haven't talked about that before. I'm so glad you brought that up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. Between the like that happy adrenaline that I said and the my listening skills and and all, like it's been such a huge positive to my life that not 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 necessarily to my business because we haven't are not monetizing yet, but like to my life, it's been really amazing. Yeah, 
Oh, love that. Okay, let's talk about other topics. I absolutely love yours. And I know that a hang up for food bloggers can be, well, like, what would I talk about? I have this blog full of recipes for easy dinners. How would I translate translate that to an audio podcast? So what are your thoughts on helping people kind of think through that? I think the first thing, um, and I'm actually working with some friends who want to do this sort of thing too. So I've been thinking about this a lot. And the first thing is to figure out who you want to have listening to your show. Like, are you talking to other bloggers? Are you talking to home cooks? Are you talking to chefs? Are you talking to new, new cooks? Are you talking to vegans? Are you talking like, who is it that you're talking to is the first step? Or who do you want to be talking to? Right? Because I think that a lot of, a lot of the, I mean, I mean, your, your show, obviously this one is for other bloggers, right? And then that my show is for um, like cooks. So figuring that out first and really like tuning into that and then figuring out what you're passionate about within that space. Like, what do you want to be saying to those people? What do you think is of value to them? Can you, can you solve a problem to them for them? Do you want to entertain them? So yeah, figuring out who and then what like solution or, or, emotion you're hoping to tap into with them that's probably the first step and after that then the content right like okay am I interviewing people am I talking about things from my site am I doing something completely different going out into markets and trying new ingredients like there's all these different things that can be done uh, but I think you need to know the who and like why first yeah. And I know some food bloggers do this. There are not many, but there are a handful, like less than six that I could come up with. And some really do relate it back to or like point back to their blogs and their food content. And some don't like some it's completely separate. So you can kind of choose like you said, who are you talking to? Are you talking to the same people? Are you talking to, to an entirely new audience? What is your purpose and what do you want to say to them like what's your message and then you can kind of start piecing things together right yeah yeah for me I really want like both of my shows have a large pointing back to my website um component the time management insider has the um meal plan at the end of each show which links to only my recipes from both of my sites but just my recipes and then of course recipe of the day so I'm just using recipes from my site's too. And that was for me, I mean, I'm hoping and who knows, but I'm hoping that when, as these grow, that just becomes another traffic source. Um, but also I'm, and I, I would love your thoughts on this. I don't know. I am assuming that, you know, the search engines are paying attention to the links in different places. So the show notes on Spotify, the show notes on Apple, those are all linking to my recipes. Oh, absolutely. I feel yeah. like that's got to do something. So that was important to me because I'm one of those few food bloggers who only makes revenue through advertise, like the ads from AdDrive on my site. I don't have affiliate links. I don't do sponsored stuff. I'm looking into doing it, but I just haven't. So figuring out new ways to get traffic and then new revenue streams is, is really important to me. But I think bloggers who already have a lot of like sponsorship affiliate link stuff that they're really knowledgeable about and good at doing can choose a completely different topic from their site and as they get audience, they have though that network, those contacts, that stuff in place that they can start working that into it if they're trying to monetize it, which I'm assuming they are. Um, so I think I think that there there are those different um, angles to consider too. So it's not just so I, what did I say? Who and why? And then part of that why is are you trying to like what is your why? 
what, what are you trying to get from it? And if it's monetization on some level, what is that like? What does that look like? Yeah. No, the link. I'm glad you mentioned the links because, yeah, that can only help you, I feel like. And maybe I don't know how much power it has coming from the platforms like Apple Podcasts, but it's got to be good. I just feel like there is there are only good things that can come from that. So um, and you can link directly to like you can link to show notes from Apple Podcasts or you can link to your blog. You can put a blog link in there. So that's great too. And then I said this in my presentation, but if you're searching for a topic, like you know maybe you want to try this avenue, but you don't really know what, go to your podcast player and just type in like food or recipe and just see what comes up. There's a lot of things that will come up. They're not necessarily food bloggers, but they're foodie. There are so many foodie podcasts. So scroll through them and just read the description, maybe listen to a few and just see what inspires you. And I promise you something is going to jump out at you and you're going to be like, oh, I love that style or I love that topic or that um, avenue to explore. So that was kind of my suggestion for people who are like, I have no idea what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. And I think also, I mean, probably a first step. And I, as I said at the beginning, if people are already listening to your podcast, they're probably listening to other podcasts too. But I feel like that was, it was easy for me to figure out like format wise what I wanted to do because I listened to so many podcasts. Like I'm like, oh yeah, they typically are like this, or I love the ones that do this sort of thing. And then I'm always listening and I'm like, oh my God, she just, not you, but so someone just, yeah. <laughs> someone just put way too much preamble at the beginning of this show. It made me crazy. But then like another one, um, I'll listen and their preamble, like goes on for a long time, but doesn't bother me. And there's something about like a personality mesh, like, oh, I really like this person. And she's talking about how she's, she, the way she makes money is if you buy a coffee for her on this site. And I'm like, oh, this is nice. Where's someone else doing it? I don't like as much. So like figuring out the personality that fits with you and which styles you like and think would work, um, I think comes from listening to other podcasts. Yeah, there's so many elements, right? Like, how much advertising do you put in? How, um, like, where do you put it? How much personality do you put in? How much do you let your life shine through? There's so many things that you can kind of pick apart. So I believe that listening to just multiple podcasts will help you put all that together, like you said. And then what do you think about like the hesitation piece? Because I know that you kind of sat on your idea for a while before starting. Mm -hmm. Do you regret that? Oh, Talk to us about that. I regret it so much. So I was a hardcore um uh, talk radio listener my like since I was in college I had like a 40 minute drive to and from college when I was like 20 and I would listen to I mean uh, like I would listen to these political talk radio shows that were the exact opposite of my beliefs but because I just loved the format and that was what was on my radio and I wasn't getting angry by them I just enjoyed the voices and the talking like it was just fantastic you know and then when I moved from Canada to Orlando Florida I used to listen to like, the equivalent of NPR, I guess, CBC radio continuously at my house. And I moved to Florida and Orlando did not have a continuous public talk, like radio talk station. It was just the morning talk show and then I would switch to classical music. And I was, so this is like 2009 and I was just like, I was, I missed it so much that I then found podcasting and like I found these podcasts and literally like I started my blog in 2010 and I immediately found some friends who were interested in podcasting too. And we were going to start a show together, like four of us. 
and we had meetings and we made notes and all this stuff. And then we would just kind of get stuck at this. How do we record it? Where do we, what do we do? And it just got shelved. And then years went by and I would, I would, I would be listening to all these podcasts at that point. I'd be like, I really want to do this. And I'd look it up again. I just feel like, Oh, it's too hard. I don't, I don't know. And, and stop again. And now it was not hard. I mean, there is a, there is actually a lot more information and a lot, it's a, a lot of tools that I don't think were necessarily there then. So I, you know, give myself a little bit of a break on that. But if I'd started this, you know, eight years ago, <laughs> um, it probably would be like a huge, really, really have been successful and had a chance to do something. I, not, not that I don't think it could now, but I, I like that little bit of regret. Like, why did you wait so long? This is so much fun. You love it so much. It's your passion. It's not that hard. Like, damn, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like that. What is that saying? What, when is the best time to plant a tree? Like, well, obviously like 70 years ago, but <laughs> if you didn't do it 70 years ago, you just need to do it now because like, just imagine a year from now, if you're still sitting on it, you're going to be so regretful. So I feel like podcasting has absolutely exploded since COVID started and it's only going to get more and more and more. People are realizing the power of it, power of it. Brands and sponsors are really digging into like giving money out for podcasts, podcasters and podcasts. Um, so it's only going to get more popular. So I feel like now is your time. If this is something that you are considering do it now, right, Christine? Oh, God, yeah. And I, you know what? I actually think this is the 2010 of food blogging. So that's, oh. like, I always, like, that's like when I started and I kind of, I kicked myself then. Like, I was like, why didn't you start this sooner? Because there were people who were, you know, having a little bit more success who had started like a year or two before me. And now, like, you know, fast forward to 2022 and my, my sites do amazing. So there's still that time. So it's it's almost like, in 2010, the tools were there. People knew what a blog was. It wasn't like obscure and you could sort of start. There wasn't a lot of monetization. I think it was more just because it was a hobby. And then that wave started to happen. And yeah, I, th I think that's where we are. I think we're just around there, 2010, 2011. So if you are somebody who started blogging in 2015 and always wish that you'd started in 2010, you can do it with podcasting. <gasps> Okay, it's super crazy that you you just use the word wave because I use that same word in my presentation. I was like, you guys, you are, if you are doing this now, you are at the top of the wave and you are going to be so far ahead of other people because everyone's going to be jumping on this train in a year or two or three years. So do yours now and you're exactly what you said, Christine. You're going to be like that first wave of food bloggers who now is like, crushing it big time and who everyone's envious of so oh my gosh like there's no better time than now yeah and I think like what you were saying with the the monetization and the brands and the stuff there's also a lot of really great evidence that podcasters convert sales better than I think almost anything <laughs> because you're like right inside somebody's ear like you're right in their brain right there they know and trust you I think this kind of loops back to what we're saying about the editing and the breaths and all of that it doesn't need to be I mean your sound does need to be good quality but nothing needs to be perfect because the whole point is that it's you it's your authentic self all the stuff that we are told all the time about all everything <laughs> is like if you want to like convert affiliate sales or whatever, being yourself and having those videos and doing all that stuff, like you're just cultivating this wonderful audience who who likes you and is choosing to listen to you. And you're speaking directly to them all the time about your passion and everything. So then when you recommend something 
they are more likely to get it. No, like and trust. And the brands know it and like are starting to know it. There's still like this convincing part going on at this point, right? But they're starting to know it and it's it's been it's it's really exciting right now. There's no other platform in the entire world that allows you to speak into somebody's ear directly into their ear for I don't know, 30 to 60 minutes and they don't put you down. They listen to every word you say. That does not happen on a blog. You look at a blog for maybe a couple of minutes. If you're lucky, you get two minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And even YouTube, people yeah. don't watch, like they won't sit down and watch you for an entire hour, mm-hmm. but audio is different. They will listen to every word you say, which means that they will know, like, and trust you way more quickly, which means they will buy your products because they love they love you and they'll keep showing up. And there's just, yeah, that that right there is the most powerful thing. You are in someone's ear Every single word you say is heard by many people. Yeah, and I think it actually meshes. I was just reading something the other day about how long-form content is becoming big again or is about to have a resurgence. So this is, you know, we have the the shorts and the stories and TikTok and all of these short things, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything against all those things, but there does seem to be this surge of desire for longer things. And so podcasts also fit into that. And that is also like it's, easier to talk about products monetized within a longer form thing because you're giving value in that length and then there's just the other bit of talking but you can actually talk about the things more do you know i I don't know if that's making sense yeah no that does make sense yeah if it shows 30 minutes you can talk about a product for a minute 30 seconds two times or something and that isn't obnoxious whereas if you have a one minute video you have right, three seconds, you know, <laughs> right, exactly. It's like the time ratio. If the more time you have, the more time you have. <laughs> um, and then, don't you feel like food bloggers are ridiculously smart and re- just resourceful, and they figure crap out like no other humans? I swear, they're just like the smartest people. So, if you feel daunted by this podcast idea and getting into audio, you you've got this because you're a food blogger. You can figure this out so easily. Do you agree with that, Christine? Oh my God. I say this about food bloggers all the time and I don't, I'm not like not going to stereotype exactly, but you know, so many of us started out as like stay at home moms or, or busy working moms or whatever. So many, it's a lot more women than men. Um, I don't mean anything really by that, but these were people who wanted a hobby, passion, something and just went and figured it out. So it's not like it was their job already or their career or this thing that they had to do. It was something that they wanted to do. And that kind of person who's like, I want to do this fun thing about my hobby and goes and figures it out and launches a beautiful website and like all this stuff. That person is, you can take over the world. Like we, we can take over the world. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just got goosebumps. I so agree with that. I feel I'm so in awe of food bloggers and their passion and their drive and their ability to do absolutely freaking anything in the world that they want to do. So if you want to create an audio podcast, you can do it. You've got the skills, you've got the drive, you've got it. So just wanted to make sure to encourage you all in that way. Christine and I have your back and we know you can do it. And then do you feel like this is for everyone? I feel like not every single food blogger listening is going to be like, yeah, this is this is for me. Like, talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah, I think we talked about this last time I was on your show, actually, Megan. Uh, this is like a huge passion for me in, in our particular career space. And that is that we can't all do everything, but we feel like we should. Like we need to all be doing Instagram stories and TikTok and YouTube videos and like all, Facebook lives and, and also the blog posts and the blog posts have to have this and this and this and that. And we feel like we have to do everything. And it sometimes becomes this like, follow the leader thing too, like somebody that we admire who is maybe more successful than us is doing something. So we feel we have to, and it's just not possible. You cannot possibly be good at all of the things. And instead you have to pick the things that like speak to you, that you're passionate about, that you have the bandwidth for that you can do and then do those and not worry about the other ones. And I I feel like there's like real proof in there somewhere. I feel like you know, when you go to blogging conferences, the different people who are speaking at the different sessions, you know, you'll have this person who's talking about YouTube. I think I haven't been to a blogging conference in a while, but, the, you know, and they all, that's what they are talking about. And that's their like main thing. And they're good at some of the other stuff, but that's their thing. And everybody, even even those top, like most successful people have a couple of things that they love and are all about. So if, if, if you are someone who is just totally loving TikTok and you want to be making these quick videos and that's what you're doing and it's so great and podcast listening is just something you do for like fun and hobby, you might not want to do it. But if you're like, I, I'm in that like, oh, I don't want to make these videos and I like my kitchen time to be for me. Like at the end of the day, I don't want to be like having my, ah, I, all of it makes me really stressed out. Yeah, same. <laughs> so um, like if you're there and you don't want to be doing some of those things, this is another option for a different kind of um, revenue stream or different way to like serve your audience and be there for them and, and help them. Like, so, so it's just one of the many options for things that you can do. Yeah. And I love that you said that it's not your favorite to do video. I think a lot of food bloggers can relate to that because I hear it often in our space, just like, I don't want to get up and get my hair done and get all dressed up and set up the cameras and, you know, get the audio right. Like that is stressful for some people. For some people, they really thrive on that. And that's amazing. I so envy and respect you for doing that. Um, But if that's not you, then audio you can do that in your jammies. I'm sitting here in my pajamas. I just woke up. <laughs> so it's like low barrier and also a way to get um, people to get to know you through your voice, but you don't have to go into the whole video thing. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's much easier. And like, I, I've been very, I've been trying really hard to be protective of my cooking and kitchen time lately. Like if I'm testing a recipe, I'm testing a recipe. I'm not taking pictures and videos of it. I'm doing that. And if I'm cooking for me or for my family, that is like my joy time in the kitchen. So neither of those times is what I want to be, you know, with my camera having to do a whole layer of other stuff. I'm not doing that. This, the podcast fits into my own work ethic, like my work schedule. I do it during the day in my work hours, in my office. Like, (laughs) so that like fits into that nice box for me. So if you're someone like that, that might work well for you. If you're somebody who loves having all those gadgets in the kitchen and has your tripod and everything and that's, and then that's just a different, different personalities. And I think that's, what's beautiful about all of this. Yes. I so agree with that. Do you have any final takeaways for people or encouragement? If someone is like, Ooh, this sounds intriguing. I might like to do this. Just any final yeah, think, bits of encouragement. People who are intrigued should just start listening to different food podcasts out there. I mean, especially if I think about doing a food podcast and see what's there, because I think that there are a lot, but there's a lot that aren't yet going. 
there's just so there's so many gaps in the space. And, um, and you know, yeah, you, you could ask some, some people have really active, um, audience that they could ask about, like, do you listen to podcasts? How many of you listen to podcasts and just see, like, is it something that your audience would be interested in? So those would be the two things. I think that listening to a bunch really does help see if you love it. Like if you love listening to them, you might love doing them and then maybe tap into your audience. Oh, I love that. Christine, I love chatting with you. Thank you again for inspiring, not just me, but inspiring food bloggers. And I, oh, I do want to ask you one thing about you were recognized. I mentioned this in your bio, but Pop Sugar recognized your podcast. So tell us about that quick. Yeah, it was so, it's, it's really crazy. Uh, yeah, we're, it's a, it's a article called the top 10 food podcasts for chefs of every level, which is a strange title because I wouldn't say that my podcast is for chefs, but I think, you know, people use the word chef in, in weird ways. And it's, it's, so mine, it's not ranked. Like it's just 10, 10 food podcasts for something like that. And mine was the first one. And then like third oh is Bobby gosh. Flay with his daughter. And I'm just like, How Oh my that? gosh, <laughs> that is like pinch me moment, right? Yeah, it was, it was really, really surreal. And, um, so I've been trying to promote that article. Obviously, you know, you know this strategy, right? I want to pr- promote that article as much as I can because if it starts showing up in people's search results when they Google for food podcasts, then we'll get more um, listeners. But no, it, it's been really, and, and the podcast is so new, right? I launched it in November of 2021, and it's been listened to 40,000 times already. Um, Holy crap! That is so many. I that know. is amazing that's the power of the daily podcast right it's in every single person's feed every single day um so so there's there's more episodes to listen to also (laughs) um and because they're short the retention rate's good so like you you can go into the stats and see like most of the listeners have listened to at least like three episodes which doesn't happen with longer ones you you retain some smaller percentage of people who listen to more than one episode. So that's been really interesting to watch the stats. I mean, it's funny because my other podcast has been around for, like I said, like a year and a half, and it just hit its 10,000 listen mark. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Those numbers are, if you are not familiar with like what download numbers should be, that is super impressive. I mean, yeah, crazy. (laughs) So awesome. I think consistency, like with anything, right? If you're just there when people expect you to be there, um, that, that really helps. And, and then, um, content and audio quality and that, that's it really, you know? Well, I hope together we've inspired a few people to get on this wave because I really do feel like it's going to benefit you in so many ways. I mean, success wise, but also just all the things we talked about, like it's going to make you a better listener and it's going to just round out your business. It's going to add these amazing layers to your business that are so cool and will bring things that you are there are just unexpected little surprises so I'm excited reach out to me and let me know if you're interested in just digging into audio if you have little questions I'm sure Christine would be willing to answer any little questions too if you have any um but yeah I'm so excited I love this topic thank you again Christine for being here oh and Yes. Thank you for joining me, food bloggers. Uh, We're going to put together a show notes page for you, Christine. You can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash recipe of the day. Tell everyone where they can find you online and on their podcast player and on social media, Christine. 
Yeah, so the podcasts are Recipe of the Day and also Time Management Insider, and they'll just show up when you search for them. And then I am Cook the Story on social media pretty much everywhere. My sites are cookthestory.com and thecookful.com. I do have some of the Cookful social media, but I don't do that as much. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I am. All right. Well, thanks again, Christine. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.